0: okay here we are with episode 42 of the florida trail runners podcast it's like western states week all over again which i am super stoked for we've got two episodes coming your way and these stories are awesome You know, first up on today's episode, I've got Lindsey Raleigh, who was one of the Florida three at this year's Western States. You know, he crushed it out there going 29-12 from Olympic Valley to that legendary track in Auburn. So we've got him on, his story, you know, kind of that training, that prep, building up to the race. And he's also joined by the wonderful Michelle. She was out there helping out, crewing, and all that kind of fun stuff. So like always, let's just jump right into it. And I've got some sweet audio coming your way.
1: Tim and Michael, getting me fucking this far. Dude, that's just over a mile out. Yeah. Just over a mile out. Feeling good, it's looking good. Hot. It's a little toasty. About to get iced down at Roby. Join up with the family and run it in, huh? You mm. got it. Feel good? Fuck yeah it does. This guy's got it. Uh, Lindsay! What is nice <laughs> paved downhill, you going to make the most fast? of it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. let's go. Come on, oh, Lindsay! Lindsay! <laughs> Lindsay. Me. Let's go. Come on, oh, Lindsay! I'm good. Going up to Roby. He's got a legion of fans waiting to cheer him on. We got a hose. Oh shit! He's got a hose. Hell yeah, Lindsey! Right on. Here we go, brother. It's game time, brother. We got the Strava waiting to hose you down. All right. Oh my goodness, they're just flying in now. 347. (laughs) 347? That's Lindsey Raleigh of Lakeland, Florida. Hey! Hey, Joseph.
2: Hey, Joseph.
1: Yeah. Awesome.
2: Thanks for having us on. Heck yeah. Still pinching ourselves.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm still, uh, I wake up every morning and I can't believe, you know, it happened and I I did it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Where's that belt buckle at? Where'd you put it?
1: Oh, it's in my bedroom right now. I I haven't put it on a belt yet, but uh, I I take it out and look at it every now and then. (laughs) The wedding
0: photos pushed to the other yeah, side. Yeah, of that's the... right.
1: That's <laughs> yeah, the right.
2: wedding photos have been gone a long time. Now it's all of our belt buckles.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Lindsay, how are you feeling? I know either between recovery and COVID, that has that was a lot to handle.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm feeling fine now. um I recovered from the race. Actually, I felt pretty well. Really, within five or four or five days, I I was feeling like I was ready to get back out and at least you know. Know, get some walks in and some easy runs but unfortunately I came down with COVID almost immediately on getting back to Florida and, and um, even though my symptoms were relatively mild I think with the combination of the fatigue from from states and then I just my, mainly had just a cough and I was just really really tired I slept off and on for about three and a half days um, kind of took on the life of a cat I mean I would <laughs> just get up and Eat and walk around a little bit, and then just go back to sleep for three or four hours
2: with with his belt buckle.
1: Yeah, with my belt buckle at all times. <laughs> Sleeping pajamas, belt buckle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. but I, I feel good now. Um, I got in a just an easy three mile run yesterday, and and I'm going to run tomorrow, and and just start you know ramping back up really slowly. Um, luckily, I don't feel like I have any you know last uh, you know lasting injuries. <laughs> or anything from the run so that that's good. Like I said I ran yesterday and I didn't feel bad and and I'm looking forward to getting out tomorrow morning.
0: I guess we'll formally kick it off with some introduction. Kind of what's that running history before heading out to Olympic Valley. Okay.
1: Well, um let me back up a little bit. Um uh I uh, I'm I'm a native we're both native Floridians, grew up here um in, in central Florida. I'm from Winter Haven, Michelle's from Plant City. Um, I'm 62, uh, went to college out in Colorado, and when I was out there, I spent a lot of time uh, in the mountains, mountaineering, backpacking, did a lot of rock climbing, um, really active in the outdoors, and um, when Michelle and I met um, 20 years or so ago, you know, that was one thing we both had in common was our love of the outdoors. And we started backpacking together and and doing a lot of stuff out west, um, primarily in the Sierras and then going back to Colorado. Michelle has a history of traveling when she was a kid on vacations to Colorado when they would go to the West Coast to visit her mother's family. And um, so we had this love of, of Colorado and California and, and just backpacking and and doing all that and i don't know it was probably 12 or 15 years ago we were on the top of um of muir pass and 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 on the john muir trail and and in the sierra nevadas
2: which is like twelve thousand five hundred. feet. yeah yeah
1: it's a tight, in the middle you know, of nowhere yeah it's twelve thousand foot pass <laughs> up you know out probably 35 40 miles from the nearest trailhead and it was late in the afternoon mm-hmm. and we're sitting there and up there by ourselves watching the sun go down. And I look down the other side, the west side of the pass, and I see like someone running up the pass. <laughs> and, you know, 15 minutes later, this guy pops over the top and he's just got a singlet on and a little backpack and running shorts and shoes. And I'm like, you know, we've got these big old backpacks and, you know, been out for days. And, and I'm like, <laughs> where'd you come from? And he looked at me kind of like, well, I came from North Lake. And I said, "Well, that's forty miles from here." And I said, "When did you start?" And he was like, "Oh, two o'clock this morning." <laughs> what? <laughs> and I'm like, and I'll never forget it. His, his 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 nipples were bleeding from they were chafed, and I'm like, God, "This guy's crazy." And so I said, "Well, where are you going?" And he said, "Well, I'm run, running to South Lake," and I'm like, "Well, that's another twenty five miles." And he goes, "Yeah, I, hopefully I'll." Get I want to do it in
2: twenty four hours. Yeah, you know, like, you know. Oh, what?
1: Anyway, so that's that was sort of what piqued our interest in and in trail running and and ever since then so we
2: went down to bishop and we went in the store and we're like we saw this guy out there and they're like yeah ultra running here's ultra runner magazine and we bought vests and goos and-, <laughs> and,
1: then, and next thing you know we turned our backpacking into you know we got into ultralight backpacking and then fast packing and doing stuff uh hiking trails and instead of taking you know three weeks to do them we were doing them in an, an 10 and 11 Days and and, uh, and running some, and, up, and up. running and we just kind of went from there and you know I think <laughs> one of our first races here in Florida was the Margarita and Manures one over in um, um, around uh, Cinco de Mayo around over in north of Orlando and you know kind of got hooked into some of the local races and you know you know just went to a trail half marathon to a marathon to a to, to a 50k you know the, the normal <laughs> the normal progression
2: and then i kind of forced him to go up but we also do a lot of you know adventures on our own like we've run the four pass loop in aspen and do 14ers, you know, in Colorado running. So we kind of, we love racing, but we also, there are so many trails out there that you can just kind of do on your own, you know, put your own little race together. So we really love doing that as well, but we kind of kind of dove into the whole Tampa races crew and started doing stuff there. And then what would you say? Blood Rock, was a Blood Rock? was our first 50 miler the year it snowed which was yeah, very that, interesting
0: that race <laughs> and, is no joke at all oh no, my gosh uh, the so 50
2: miles is like twelve thousand feet and 50 miles right. and i was like how much did it snow uh, like
1: it, it snowed like the five night inches yeah, we, we did it i think the inaugural year and there was a, uh,
2: a weird know, snowstorm storm that came through, before, and it so. was like 20 degrees when it started and it was just and that race is hard anyway so but it just kind of went from there, and we've done Pinhoti a couple times, yeah, and Penn, Lake Penn, Martin. And
1: Penn, Penn Hody was our first hundred <laughs> um, that we did in 2018, and then Lake um, Martin. And then we didn't finish that one though; we we missed the cutoff at mile 75, and and just it was just a. You know uh, a comedy of errors of tons of rookie mistakes i mean it really i think we were
2: no pretty, pacers no, no pacers no, no crew crew <laughs> and uh and that race is hard i don't know it's, the cutoffs there are literal cutoffs so. that,
1: that that's where we met jeff iosa though yeah yeah we so, ran
2: with him there and that's we became fast friends with jeff so it was worth it <laughs>
1: And then, then we did Lake Martin um, in March of uh, 2019. And then we went back to Penhody and, and <coughs> did Penhody in, in 2019 also. And, and Black then I,
2: Canyon. Yeah, uh, Black
1: Canyon 100K a couple of times. And then uh, I did Bighorn 100 um, last summer. And was signed up to do Cruel Jewel uh, this April, or this May, uh, but then I was got into Western States.
2: And late. then, and then for me, it's similar, you know, to Lindsay on the outdoors. But I grew up in the country, and you know, just kind of always ran for fun and in school, and um, I just loved adventuring. So he he talked about most of it, but I feel like I've run my whole life, and just. You know the trails are just feel like home so it's it's just such a fun sport and and to crew or to run or to do these adventures on your own so
0: yeah because like obviously california is kind of one of those places that you came to love you know it kind of caught your heart so for lindsay you know how did you feel getting your name drawn for the western states 100 and for Michelle, as a spouse of a runner, because I feel like that aspect, the spouse aspect of a lot of the Western States runners kind of gets overlooked and overshadowed. <laughs> what goes through your mind?
1: Yeah, well, well let, go for yeah, it. yeah, let me I, I didn't get drawn in the regular lottery. Um, I have had my name in with uh, two tickets this year. And just back up a little bit, so we're listening to the to the to the lottery draw. We're from Lakeland, and we hear the, they you know the twentieth runner drawn from Lakeland, Florida, and we're like, "Whoa, one of us is in!" You know, this is great. And it was some other dude. You know, we don't even know him. <laughs> and he, running, so. he, he didn't end up
2: running. But he
1: didn't end up running. But so we didn't get in. But our our coach Tom Flahaven is an aid station captain at Western States and they run the finish line, um, they, they the finish line and the aid stations have well, they get one ticket and um, Tom has an, his own mini lottery uh from with his group of athletes and volunteers that he has at the uh, finish line and you know he has criteria you've got to you know qualify obviously or to run a qualifying race and you've got to be volunteering for at least three years or be with him as an athlete and um I, there were nine people in his mini lottery and michelle and i were two of them so we thought our odds were pretty good that we would get drawn but we we didn't but i was drawn as the alternate And um, the the fella that uh, got drawn, Neil, uh, tore his Achilles tendon right at the end of April. Whoa. And so Tom Tom called me on May the 1st and said, "Hey, are you <laughs> ready to run Western States?" and you know, I about, you know, you know, I was 10 days away from running Cruel yeah, Jewel.
2: We were leaving that Wednesday. I
1: yeah, the following week I was headed to to uh, Cruel Jewel, you know, and I about fell out of my chair. Um, you know, it just it, it was a big shock. I mean, I I, I you know, I actually almost panicked because they're just two totally different kind of races and uh, and um, Cruel Jewel's a little more in my wheelhouse with a lot of climbing and, and, and hiking because it's such a hard race. Um, so I had to switch gears really quickly.
2: So for me as the spouse, um, I think as uh, an ultra runner myself and my name being in the lod- lottery, I was just totally pumped. You know, I mean, I honestly was just elated that he was going to run western states and and couldn't believe it so you know i just i became i think like your probably biggest cheerleader i was kind of like david goggins with his workouts like get back out there you can do this you know i think i just i had so much enthusiasm for going to states myself as a fan and an athlete who wants to get in and then you know seeing how hard Lindsay had worked for cruel jewel and um just knowing that he could turn it around to do Western States, I was just like super pumped and kind of went immediately into like, you know, crew strategy. Let's break down the core strategy. Like, you know, how are we going to pull this off? You're going to, you know, kick, kick butt. Um, So I was just super, super pumped about it and feel like I was, A a cheerleader, and maybe that helps. That I'm also an ultra runner, and just a fan of the sport, and you know, want to run the race as well. So it was, it was ended up being really fun.
0: Cruel Jewel is a good point because you
1: decided not to go out there. What? Yeah. How did you make that decision? Well, there was just no (laughs) way I could do at my age. I don't think I could have, you know, run run Cruel Jewel, and then basically five weeks later, uh, run. Uh, states and I'm you know very very you know it was a little bittersweet because I got I took someone else's place too and I kind of struggled with that a little bit because you know someone else was not going to get to run and they were going to miss out of an opportunity of a lifetime you know and and but I was still just incredibly grateful and blessed that I was going to have this opportunity but it was really daunting for me because you know at my age i mean this is a once in a lifetime opportunity i probably will never have another chance to do this so it was a you know the the pressure was on you know i did not want to 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 go (laughs) out there and and and, and fail and i'm i'm semi-retired so we kind of threw a lot of stuff we just i went into a whirlwind and and i basically made plans i encouraged go- them go to
2: california Yeah,
1: i, I went out to california <laughs> and, and late late may and i and i ran um silver state 50k and out of reno nevada with a bunch of runners from tom's group and then spent three weeks in california basically training with tom's group in folsom and going to the western states training camp you know running all three days there and i you know over the three weeks that i was out there i had the opportunity to run 85 miles of the 102 100 100 100.2 miles (laughs) and that made the difference for me you know absolutely i mean seeing the course um and spending the time out there and i tell you it's a lot more fun training with a group of people that have a common goal and it, it was a good um really helped me because i i'll be honest with you i was getting pretty burned out at running a crew every weekend you know, <laughs> you, know the, you know the 14 mile loop over and over and over again because that's where i mainly train and Being able to get up to out to California, train on different terrain, actually having some major hills, being able to get some hill work in, get get up to altitude. um, It it made all the difference. I'd I'd be honest with you, if I hadn't done that or even at least done the training camp, I don't think I would have finished the race. I mean, it's 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 a net downhill race but it's hard and um i think when i saw louise at the uh finish line i went up and hugged him and i said man that was a hard uh uh, you know there might be kids listening to the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) it was a darn hard race and he agreed you know it was it was uh it was tough and
2: when you went to california i noticed your energy and enthusiasm you know, really shifted. He went from, oh my gosh, you know, I really want to do this and just, you know, kind of a bit not fearful of the unknown and the quick shift and I think going to California and training with other people and getting on the course. And I mean, you were just super enthusiastic every night I talked Mm to him, you know, he was just like, I can't wait to do this. I'm so pumped to do this. This is beautiful. I, I, you know, he just was really so much gratitude for getting the opportunity. And I mean, you put your whole heart and soul into it. And I just saw a complete, shift in his enthusiasm and confidence spending that time out there and being close to the course you know he was ready to roll
0: yeah because i was going to ask about obviously we'll get back to the coach and you know kind of your race prep but as you guys have mentioned the camp it seems like that was a really both (laughs) mentally and physically like i can actually do this race no problem i've got this and it also seems like it was really mentally transformable So you know kind of of your mental outlook for the race
1: it it absolutely did because you know you hear about the race and you hear about the canyons and the high country but until you get out there and actually see it and run in it and feel (laughs) what it's going to bring to you it's just really hard to wrap your 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 arms around it you know and I look at maps and I've looked at the 3d projections of the course, but until you're actually out there running on it and seeing it, it's, um, you know, it's just hard to, to, to mentally picture it. It it changed my game completely. I mean, if anybody ever has the opportunity to run the race, um, or get into it, absolutely. The, the training camp is I think an absolute must. To do um it's three days it's fun they it, they put it on like you it, it's it's amazing how well run it is the volunteers the aid stations they have out there on the course it's just you know and you're running out there with elite runners i, was I mean say,
0: you, you were know, talking <laughs> to I mean, me and,
1: and, and you know <laughs> I mean, billy yang i mean you're just yakking it up with them all and and having a blast it's it's really that unto itself is a great event even if you're not running western states you know it's open to anybody that wants to do it and um it's it's really a game changer and the only difference for us for for louise and i when we were out there was the um It wasn't nearly as hot as we had hoped it to be. It was actually unseasonably kind of cool during that weekend. So we didn't get to have, you know, the extreme heat that we wanted, but uh, (laughs) we we got enough of it to get a a taste of it.
2: But you did do some sauna stuff.
1: Yeah, and I I did do some sauna training while I was out there, too, to help with the heat.
0: And like everyday training
2: (laughs) yeah, Yeah. And
1: and, uh, I'll tell you Training here in Florida helps I mean there's no doubt about it Um, It was
2: funny Joe on the course I was at Robinson Flat and some people That were from the west were like You know it's really humid Like some people from the west were saying it's humid I'm like it's humid (laughs) So I think Luis and Lindsay really handled The heat and the slight humidity I guess for that day They both actually did really well in the heat I thought because I saw them both coming through the aid stations
0: <clears throat> yeah Lindsay, when did you run into lewis did you like how did you guys did you guys even realize that you're both from florida or how well happen? i uh, i
1: uh, <laughs> i met louise at black canyon 100k in 2020, 2020. yeah uh he and jeff Iosa were out there running yeah. and and then when i found jeff out Jeff reached
2: out to us and yeah, we hooked up there yeah,
1: yeah when and when when <laughs> I found out that I got into Western States, I texted Jeff and he said, you know, Louise is running it. You should hook up with him. He's going to the the training camp. So Louise and I shared a a Airbnb while we were out in uh, the Folsom area. Okay, uh, yeah, that's awesome And so we, you know, Louise is a lot younger and a lot faster than I am So I didn't see him very much during the training <laughs> run But um, we had a great time after the race and, you know, chatting And he, he did some stuff with, our, with, um, my group, with my group that I run with out there And, and uh, we had a really fun uh, four days out in, in, uh, in Folsom when he was there
0: I mean, you guys only finished three hours apart but did you guys have any very like cabin stories as you guys were out at the at the training camp
1: um you know Archive. cabin stories yeah yeah, yeah. um <laughs> it was interesting the the, the first day from running from robinson flats to um to um uh, back to forest hill which is 31 miles we we were able to one of our uh, one of the People that I was Running with from uh, The group that I run With they gave us a Ride up to Robinson Flats so there was Six of us, seven of Us that rode up so We didn't have to Take the school bus So we got up there Before the school bus Got up there with Everybody and so we You know probably had About an hour head Start on everybody And so Louise you know left us and so he's out there running by himself and I don't know if he told you this but he ran into a mountain lion out there um and he he said man I thought I saw like a a uh you know a big golden retriever and then all of a sudden i realized it wasn't it was a big cat you know and then luckily it turned and ran up the trail and i'm thinking you know if that had been me by myself i don't know how i quite would have handled that
2: he seemed pretty cool and calm he was very
1: very cool but uh we we you know we dissected the runs and and talked about them um I'm a pretty strong climber, I think, from my my backpacking and days And so I'm a good power hiker and I hike with a purpose all the time And so we talked a little bit about strategy on that point And and how to go about, you know, the the climbs and, you know, what he could run up And what he couldn't run up and, and, uh, you know, the downhills I was really concerned about blowing my quads out Um, running too fast downhill Um, and so was Louise I think that's everybody's concern Um, and I had a pretty strong strategy going into the race on trying to limit that and and I think it worked pretty well overall
2: I mean it did sound like y'all talk shop a lot we We did
1: and 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 unfortunately we haven't we didn't see um each other except for right after the race uh, at the finish line and and have chatted a couple of t- or texted a couple of times but <clears throat> and then i came down with covid i want to get over to uh Clearwater and hook up with those guys and go out and have a beer and and really di- dissect the whole uh the whole race experience
0: yeah so i guess we'll get back to the coach part so obviously having a coach it's super key here Especially in your path to success. So, I guess when it comes down to it, did you kind of have a game plan or any kind of special preparations for the Western States 100? From
1: a, a training standpoint or specific to the race on how I was going to run the race? Um, or sure. I can do both, do both of it. I mean, yeah. I mean,
2: because Tom's tra- big on both.
1: Yeah. T- t- absolutely. <laughs> so, I was training, obviously, for Cruel Jewel. Um, I've been working with Tom for going on th- over three years now we we met him and his wife uh, michelle met him in a long story down in mexico at
2: a, tra- at at, a trail running camp. <laughs> at
1: a trail running camp at a resort that she was at and then we just hit it off he's a super just a phenomenal super. guy um you know extremely um Motivating, you know, I mean, beyond the technical aspects of putting together training uh, uh, plans, he's just, you know, I feel like I'm his only runner. Yeah, you know? he treats you
2: like you're a professional athlete. You know, like, I mean, he calls, this is like the Super Bowl. Like,
1: you know. <laughs> he, he calls me all the time, and, and, you know, I'm down here in Florida, and, you know, 90% of all his runners are local to him there in, in, in the Folsom area. I was working on Tom. I'm, I'm not a real big mileage guy during the week. I probably. You know, leading up to going into April, I was probably just at around 40 to 45 miles. But Tom always has real specific, um, you know, fartleks, tempo runs, hill repeats built into my weekly runs. And then, um, you know, and, and one day of treadmill for an hour to two hours at, you know, high um, as, as high as the treadmill will go, trying to maintain a 15 minute pace. Which and, is
2: harder than it sounds. Right,
1: <laughs> and, and and I think that's really key for, you know, look, I have no expectations. I mean, I'd love to be able to finish under 24 hours, but that's 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 probably not in my wheelhouse, but I knew I could finish and get through this. And I, I had a goal <laughs> of finishing at 28 and a half hours, I finished a little over twenty nine. I think I could easily going back. um, I think I could I could I could take an hour off of it. Um, Just, you know, if if certain things worked out, we the river crossing was a bit jumbled up for us and we lost about 20 minutes there. but I did have a pretty specific race plan. and that.
2: Can I also say something yes. about your training? Um, in addition, I mean, Tom's really focused on two speed works a week. But also, Lindsay was very consistent. And, and I want to just throw out a kudos to him because, you know, he did the work every week. And I just think consistency is so important to getting fit. So that's a big kudos to him that he has the discipline to you know to implement the plan so i'm just gonna toot his horn a little bit because it's hard to do that when you're working and you know juggling a lot of other priorities but um, he had some really hard workouts and he nailed them, so I think that was a big part of it.
1: And and but we oh, went
2: I, to Cruel Jewel. For yeah, four and, days and I went. <laughs> I, we went
1: up to in April. We went up to to North Georgia, and I trained for four days on the Cruel Jewel course, and I think that helped a lot too because it's mm-hmm. you know it's got a lot of climbing and a lot of steep descending. And uh, but then once I got out to California, my mileage ramped up. A lot I was up into the 50 and five, 65 miles a week range for three weeks there uh, um, early late May into early June and then started tapering down uh, about through two and a half weeks out from western states
2: and then your race strategy the prep
1: oh yeah um, <laughs> you know <laughs>
2: well Tom's big on he, yeah. he calls you and strategize yeah. and
1: I I um, <laughs> You know, I really, for me, was to let the race come to me And not get too ahead of myself Because um, it's easy to run fast There's some really fast sections Even after Robinson Flats There's five or six miles on a Forest Service road That's it's a little uphill out of Robinson Flat But then it gets into a downhill section That you can really open it up on it And I really tried to just maintain a really steady pace all the way through um uh, the only thing i really paid attention to on my watch was my average total pace or average pace because i knew if i stayed under 18 minutes a mile i'd finish but i really wanted to stay around 16 to 17 minutes a mile on average that's including you know stops and everything um and that's the only thing i ever really paid attention to and i just tried to um you know keep uh you know move steady and quickly but not overdo it i didn't want to get my my legs blown out on all the downhills and you know the downhills there's a lot of it and a lot of it's uh, um pretty steep at times and but tom kept saying you know if you get to forest hill at mile um 62, 62 you know the rest of the course is really runnable and really fast if you can get there with something in your legs you can you can make up so much time and that's just absolutely a case i mean you really can um, you know it, it's it's a very runnable section after that and and it's fun too and and that's when i picked up my pacers and i had my first pacer out of forest hill was a, a he? He had finished the race in 2018, I believe, and were very experienced hunter mile runner. And he really he didn't, you know. He, he, he didn't have to crack the whip, but he really <laughs> kept me steady and kept going. And anytime there was an opportunity to and run eating and, and, drinking and, and, and eating and, and drinking and that's right. He, he really yeah. kept me moving in, in, in a good direction.
2: The other thing I think that you stressed when you and Tom talked to was um, taking the course in thirds and really focused on the high country. And not depleting yourself in the high country, which he said a lot of people can do. So he really focused with the runners and you on coming to Robinson Flat, not depleted, you know, don't kill yourself in the high country because you're going into the canyons and, you know, had specific time goals for them, which, you know, weren't super aggressive. And I personally think that helped just as a crew, his crew, seeing him come in versus a lot of people come in. You know, he looked fresh. He wasn't overly heated. Um, I mean, he looked like he just ran 30 miles in the the high country, but (laughs) he, he was, you know, not as depleted as some other people that I saw coming in. So personally, from kind of the outside looking in. I think that part was really key because he knew, you know, you're going into the canyons next. It's hot, it's dusty, it's steep. and. You know, so I think he executed the high country really well, which is something Tom, our coach, really stressed, don't you think? So I think he set himself up really, really nicely to get into the canyons I, without I, being completely shot, yeah, you know, I, if that I, makes sense. I,
1: I never felt there, – there was never through the point of the race that I I really felt duress in the sense that I felt I was over overspent or taxed or really – I never had stomach issues, which I was really, you know, no blisters, no blisters at all. None. I I mean, the race really went almost as perfect as it could have been for me.
0: I was going to say, yeah, because the downhill game is super important in this race, especially Western States. Because I mean, after mile five, you're going down to (laughs) the one before Red Star. You know, it's down a little bit, and then you're going down Duncan Ridge. And down some more yeah. to Robinson Flat. You're going down past Last Chance.
1: Yeah. You you, you go up a little bit. Yeah. That, that, Quite that, a that, lot. I, I, I will say that the one part of the course <laughs> that I hadn't run was from the top of the escarpment to Red Star, which was about 15 miles. And the section from the top of the escarpment to Lions Ridge, which is the first aid station at 10 miles, was pretty easy. I mean, it was fun. It was high. It was, and we were in the shadow of the mountain, so it was really cool. It's beautiful, man. You get to Lions Ridge, and that section from Lions to Red Star was a little harder than I expected for some reason. <laughs> I mean, there's there's some short steep climbs in there, and that's when it starts getting hot. And um, and then once I got to Red Star, I had run from there on. Um, And it's all downhill to 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 Duncan Canyon and then the climb up out of Duncan to to um, to Robinson. That's the first really big climb. And it's it's a south facing climb. And it's 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 not a lot of tree cover. It's exposed. And, you know, there was a lot of carnage going up, up that I mean, people were really, you know, in the back third of the pack there were a lot of folks really struggling up that section of the of the the course and my only probably my worst spot was right after robinson because after robinson you you there's about a mile climb up a forest service road and then then it's all downhill basically to um through miller's defeat and into um Uh, dusty corners on a on a far (laughs) server and a lot of its kind of exposed and it was really that was the heat of the day it was like one thirty two o'clock in the afternoon and I did have, I was like, man, I'm never going to quit. I'm never going to quit. And man, this is a long way to go. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I, I was like, you know, I was like, in my mind, I was like, man, do I really have it in me to get all the way to the end? And and uh, I just kept pushing forward. And once I kind of got into the canyons, actually, it kind of came to me pretty well. I felt good then. And um um, you know, once I made Michigan bluff, I knew at that point mm-hmm. that if something didn't go horribly wrong, I felt like I could finish the race.
2: Yeah, and you looked good coming into Michigan bluff yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah, so I
0: guess hey, take me into um take me into race day, you know, how did it feel coming up to that starting line uh, probably the most iconic race
1: (laughs) yeah let me yeah i mean just for well uh, the whole event from the day we arrived in squaw which we got there um or olympic valley excuse me we got there at uh um Late Wednesday afternoon And you know The village is just You know Hubbub of activity There's elites Walking around The Hoka tents Are there You know All the The trade show stuff Is set up And and Thursday, they what do we do on Thursday? We just walked around and took it in, and you know there were um, some of the live broadcasts. The inter- we had our crew meeting. Yeah, Dylan Bowman was you know, and and Corinne uh, Malcolm, Malcolm were in inter- their live interviews in the in the square, of the village, and you know it's just it just gets better each day. You know, Thursday afternoon, Michelle and Candy went to the crew meeting, crew meeting. and. Uh, and I just kind of did some last minute, you know, prep and getting stuff ready. And then Friday is, you know, registration day and picking up your bib and the photos. And it just it just it just builds and builds yeah. and builds. And you see
2: like all the elites like right behind Lindsay was Ruth Croft, Brittany Peterson. Yeah, I mean, and they're, just, yeah. <laughs> and they're like in line with us. Right. And I'm like. Filming them and Lindsay's, you know, I'm like, no, I got to full Lindsay. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> but it's yeah. exciting as a fan of the sport. You know, the elites are just like in line with everybody else registering. And Lindsay's right. It's just like, the, it's like a crescendo, don't yeah. you think? And, you know, <laughs> then, then, they, building.
1: then they have the big, you know, runners meeting and they introduce all the elites. And, you know, it's just, you just sit there and, you know and I, I i told michelle going out there i said you know this is this is awesome I, i'm just so blessed to be able to have this opportunity but, you know i don't know if i'll do it again you know I'll, I'll probably i don't even know if i'll put my name in the lottery again and i'm sitting there during the race weekend and i'm like dang right i'm putting my name in the lottery again this is, this is too good to to uh You just can't hardly describe how exciting and fun it is. And, you know, this is the iconic ultra race in north america and you're just like to be part of it i'm just like i am just so blessed and grateful to to, to yeah. be here
2: and let me put it this way i've never seen so much energy at four fifteen in the morning yeah. if you want to know what the start line is like i mean it was just like <laughs> you know insanity at 4 15 yeah. you know everybody's got their coffee their puffies and you know it's just i mean just buzzy yeah. is all i can and, say and it I, was just so much fun i
1: was just busting with i mean i just wanted it to start you know mm-hmm. I, at that point i was so excited to be there you know, <laughs> you know I, I ran into louise and talked to jeff and saw the rest of the group that i was you know had trained with and, and you know lots of hugs and tears and everybody's you know apprehensive they don't know what the day is going to bring and you know counting down and then bang the gun goes off and you're you know you're off and and you know i'm i'm hiking up the this the road up the escarpment and i'm probably a mile or so up there and I'm, i run into louise and so you know we walk for a mile or two together and we saw
2: you and, 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 and,
1: <laughs> and um but we're louise and i are walking together I see uh, a guy in front of us with a Tampa racist shirt on, and it's oh, the other runner from Tampa, um, uh, Jason C- Kummelin, Kuhl- 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 yeah. which both Louise and I didn't know. So we, you know, introduced ourselves and stopped and talked to him a little bit. And
2: this is in the race when like, right. a picture. Yeah, we, we took
1: a picture of the three of us and. Uh, you know and i never saw jason again for the rest of the race except for that gummit he finished you know like 10 seconds in front of me <laughs> so, anyway it was it was pretty amazing feeling just being there and the sun coming up and getting to the top of the escarpment and there's you know hundreds of people up there ringing bells and blowing horns and screaming and you know it's just
2: uh, and to, we were to, pretty dialed too so you didn't have much to worry about race day yeah you know, I, yeah we, we, were, we, we, had we had everything done wouldn't I, you say I, like
1: i was ready to go and you know
2: by sa- thursday night so that really he didn't have much to think about going into friday and um and into saturday <laughs> It was fun. And I didn't even run it. <laughs>
0: <No>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I guess coming into the, you know, those first couple of miles, you've got, you're going from Olympic Valley, you know, Red
1: Star into Duncan Canyon. How did those miles go? Um, I was to Lion's Ridge, which is at mile <laughs> 10. I was exactly where I wanted to be um like i said from lions ridge down to duncan and then the climb up to um robinson got pretty hot and was a little more technical than i expected especially from lions down to to red star um you know the altitude didn't bother me at all um i do well at altitude for whatever reason um and you know going out there on wednesday i think helped a little bit um too um,
2: and we slept at we stayed at Olympic Valley, and we
1: stayed in Olympic Valley, so you know, and it's not particularly high. It's only at like sixty three hundred feet, but it's still I guess enough and um, yeah, I mean, it was it was um. It was beautiful And and fun running It's just It was a little technical I couldn't get into A good rhythm I never felt uh, I was sort of A lot of starting And stopping And up little steep climbs And downhills And then You know It was very A lot of uh, You know golf ball to softball sized rocks all over the trail so you had to kind of you know jig and jog and 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 it just was hard to get into a really good rhythm through that section
0: yeah i think mentally too because like there's such a hype to start the race like obviously most iconic race north america you're super excited did you have any doubts kind of creeping in because obviously Those thoughts might come in later in the race Yeah,
1: I never had any doubts You know, there was that one time On the road (laughs) after Robinson I was like, man, this is hard And uh, (laughs) I got a long ways to go You know, I've got (laughs) Another uh, 65 miles (laughs) to go Yeah And, but I, you know, I'm pretty, I mentally, I'm pretty tough. And I just have in my mind, I'm I'm not going to quit unless I'm hurt or physically hurt or I time out. And I just said to myself, I'm going to keep moving at all, you know, points. And, and, you know, I got to the point where, you know, late in the, you know, when I made it made to, um, to, uh, Auburn, not Auburn Lakes Trail, but Point of Rocks, you know, which is 94 miles. I mean, I was there about 30, 40 minutes ahead of when I thought I would be there at, when I left Rocky Chucky. So, I, I was feeling good at that point. I, and it was a
2: party his pacer that took him from there as a bit of a dancer. So, wait, wait, so, he did a little dance show for him and that really picked Lindsay up and they got him some food and you know, we were all kind of delirious at that point. So, it was kind of a bit of a party at
1: but Point I, I I felt pretty strong at far still that I wasn't going to have any trouble finishing as, as long as the wheels didn't fall off. And my only difficulty is I never, my stomach never turned or got sick or nauseous, but I, I was, had the difficulty, I just didn't want to eat. I mean, it was mm-hmm. just, I really had to force myself to take in calories. It didn't matter what it was, be it. Goose or quesadillas right. or you know, springs, whatever. I just <coughs> didn't want to eat them, it just nothing appealed to me, and I really struggled to where. Um, that that was a bit that that was my biggest shortcoming was getting enough calories later in the race, mm-hmm. but I managed to. <laughs> choke them down and, and you know i got, had enough to finish but i think i could have done a little better if i would stayed ahead of the calorie curve earlier in the you race did, you
2: did the hal kerner nibble and sip yeah
1: nibble and sip <laughs> nibble and sip
2: it does work though
0: yeah because yeah, i was gonna say if you had any kind of nutritional philosophy or kind of a nutritional plan because obviously this race being a lot more dry compared Mm -hmm. to like Martin, Blood Rock, anything here in Florida for sure and that's it's,
2: you complained of like your mouth yeah, being my, so dry my yeah. mouth was
1: dry I mean I remember trying to eat some boiled potatoes somewhere and I you know I just I put them in my mouth and I was just like oh, oh you know just <laughs> like paste and you know and, and the key to it though is is what I found and my <laughs> first pacer really helped me with this he was like man just take a little bite little bites don't don't yeah. don't take very really yeah, got don't you know don't there. try to choke the whole goo down and <laughs> three gulps you know just just dribble it out dribble it out and and that really helped and kind of changed my game around a little bit and and, um
2: and don't you think when it got cooler and the effort it seemed like yeah it was a little it was a little
1: easier to eat um Later, once it cooled down some in, in the evening. And I did have one of my uh, teammates or girls, women that I ran with, she made these little rice cakes that were really, really good. And Ooh, that was one of the one things that I <laughs> that could eat, yeah. but I ran off from Rocky Chucky, for getting to. That was the only. Well, with the, well the, that was the only goof up on a cruise standpoint. They let me leave Rocky <laughs> Chucky. No,
2: that's not true, Joseph.
1: Without my rice, with my with without my rice cake. Well,
2: no, there's a backstory to that because every from robinson flat he's like i can't eat anything don't put those in my pack don't wait i'm gonna put i'm gonna put one rice cake in he would eat it i got to forest hill he's like i can't eat that i don't want it again i said i'm gonna put one in and he ate it (laughs) so but then at uh, rocky chucky you know we it was just the river and it was three o'clock in the morning and you know for whatever reason i didn't ask him i will own that i did not force a a rice cake into his uh, vest.
1: (laughs) In the future, though, I'm going to focus more on trying to eat as more whole foods Early. early in the race. The rice cakes did go down well. I'm going to practice, play with those some more, and try to eliminate a lot of goo's early. I'm not going to say I'll eliminate them all together. And I, when I say goo's, goo like type. Yeah. But um, the
2: spring, also the, the, the down. spring, the spring
1: nutrition, I, there's a couple of flavors there that go down well for me. And but
2: I do, Joseph, want Lindsay to tell your your podcast audience what food, which will make you gag, actually turn around for him, what, what Tim got you, the pickles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is disgusting. When, so, when he at, told at, me this, at, I was like, at, oh.
1: At Quarry Road at Mile 90, Hal Corners and um, um, Scott Jerk run that aid station, and they had <laughs> they had And they had the music just playing as loud as you possibly could. I mean, you could hear it like a half a mile away from the aid station. It was great vibes. But you got, they had pieces of turkey smeared with cream cream cheese and rolled up around a pickle. And it was the best thing I've ever eaten in my life. I was like I was like,
2: what turned it around? And he's like turkey, cream cheese, and pickles. I was like,
1: give me three of those, you know? <laughs> so it's Oh my God. It's it's weird things like that that uh get you onto the finish line.
0: <laughs> That's such a wild, I mean, not gonna lie that far into a race that seems like an actually damn well delicious meal
1: it was it was good and, oh, was and, then, and then at point of rock oh yeah they, this is they, even better they had these little sandwiches of, you smeared know,
2: with mayonnaise it was
1: white pickles. bread with lots of mayonnaise and turkey and a pickle and <laughs> and you know at 8 30 in the morning it tasted great i loved it <laughs> <So>. <laughs>
0: That's a lot of good rise and shine right there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I kind of want to go back to, you know, Robinson flat, because this is like one year major, at least with social media and the coverage of the race. This is like yeah. the major climb. Uh, <coughs> Western. So it's like, yeah, you've got uh, Michigan Bluffton and whatnot, but coming into Robinson flat, how <coughs> did you feel? Because obviously you have one more little climb before you head on the big decline of elevation yeah
1: it's you know that the the climb up from duncan creek to robinson takes a, you know you know me about an hour and 10 minutes and that's what i had done on my you know i had run that section earlier <laughs> except for the day we did it on as a training run. It was 52 degrees and overcast. So, I mean, it wasn't really like what it was going to be on race. It was hot. (laughs) It was hot. And um, it's a hard climb, but I just, you know, I think it goes back to my backpacking and mountaineering experience. I just nose down. I don't pay much attention to where I am. And I just power hike as fast as my little legs will carry me up the hill. Um, I was glad to get into Robinson, but I was just as glad to get out of Robinson as fast as possible. I did take time to change my socks there because there's a pretty big creek crossing at at Duncan Canyon and I just didn't want to run the risk of, of, um, I had, I was totally blister free at that point and as a rule, I don't get blisters with wet socks, but I just, I, I wanted to take the five minutes it took to change the socks just so i didn't yeah. have any trouble. and you picked
2: up your ice bandana and, and i picked, your, your yeah, handheld. That yeah you,
1: and the ice bandana was a game changer um for me i mean i it's a i've used a bandana that I would roll up ice in but you know the ice would fall out that you know goes all over the place but i've nathan <laughs> makes one that's got a zippered pocket that you can put a lot of ice in i feel
2: like you can put like a whole bag of ice yeah in i mean it's,
1: it's really put like you know two or three pounds in there if you want and that was just game, you know, really made it feel good and then Michelle insisted that I take a handheld with ice water in it that I could spray you know, on my head or my arms um, heading down into the canyons and I, I sort well, of, I, I didn't want to take it because I just didn't want to have to carry something in my hands but I did and that was that well, this, really- is a,
2: this is a crew tip I'll inject is before in the crew meeting he said do not let me leave without my iced bandana and this handheld that I can fill up so I can douse myself. So we get there and he's ready to get out. And he's like, I don't want that. I don't want that. It's it's too bulky. And I said, no, nope, you are getting it. And he was arguing. We got into a little bit of a tiff and I threw it in the back. And he did admit when we got to Michigan Bluff, he said, I'm glad that you put that in the back. So a tip for crew people, if your runner says, do not let me forget and they fight with you, give it to them anyway, because right. <laughs> they're not in a good mindset. <laughs> he
1: stuffed it in the back of my pack. I said, and- you're
2: taking it. You can and- throw it out later. And-
1: And I did pull it out and I used it and refilled it at every aid station with ice water. And that's one good thing with Western States. They had, I think they said they had ordered 34,000 pounds of ice for the race or more. And there was lots of ice and ice water at every aid station to cool down. They had sponges that, you know, you can lean over and they would dunk your head in them. And, um, and so and one advantage of being a little slower is when by the time you get into the canyons, it's a little later in the day. So they're not you're not hitting them at the absolute heat of the day. So they weren't that brutal for me as as far as I was you know, concerned that they, they felt I, I managed them pretty well.
0: Yeah. So coming into Michigan Bluff, because that's another one of the, you know, one of those heavy aid stations to where, you know, where the field is at. Right, But even between there, I think between Last Chance and Devil Thumb and El Dorado, that's probably one of the most low-key sections of Western states that probably really doesn't get a lot of coverage because it's such a... It's a massive
1: climb right before you get to that, you know, that 62 safe zoned area. Right. Yeah. No, there's, you know, you drop from last chance down to (coughs) swinging bridge and that's a really steep descent. And then there's a big climb up to Devil's Thumb. And then you kind of go over the top and double Thumb and past Deadwood and then you drop into the El Dorado Creek Canyon and all those aid stations are through there. They're, they're you know, four or five miles apart, but there, you know, there's no crew access. Um, Last access to your crew is Dusty uh, Corners and we didn't, you, you can have crew at Duncan and Dusty Corners. But that's like a completely different side of the race from Robinson and Michigan Bluff, and so you either have to have two cars or you you your crew doesn't go to the other side. Um, so he didn't
2: see us from Robinson Flat to Michigan, Michigan Bluff. Bluff,
1: right? And um, and in some ways, I think <laughs> in hindsight, um, I'm not sure having a crew at Duncan and dusty Mm -hmm. it might be better if i had to do it over again because robinson is such a huge aid station and there's so much activity there and so much energy it's almost your crew kind of gets lost in the party so to speak and um duncan uh, canyon and uh dusty corners was much more low-key and i think i might have done better to see them there um in hindsight
0: because yeah even just like Robinson (laughs) Flat right like once you leave Michigan Bluff you still have to go down then back up until you hit Forest
1: Hill, that's that's <laughs> correct, and that's one thing. I, I yeah, for- you even
2: said like you know, we, I we, forgot how uh, this when, is not easy.
1: When you leave Forest uh, Michigan Bluff, the, you know the first couple of miles is on a road, and then you get into these woods, and you drop into what's called Volcano 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 Creek. <laughs> And it's really steep and technical and rocky. And, and you know, for me, it was dark at that point. So it, it, it was a little harder than I remembered it to be. And then you got to climb out of that canyon up uh, to Bath Road and then on into Forest Hill. It's a relatively short section, but it's, it's six miles between um, yeah. Michigan Bluff and, and Forest Hill. But it's, 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 the, it's a pretty steep descent down into Volcano Creek and then then back out.
0: Cause I was gonna say, what's what's past that? We got, I think it's what Peachstone.
1: Yeah, after after Forest Hill, you. Or, excuse. Me, yeah, Forest Hill. You you run down the road a little bit, and then you get into um, what's called the Cal Street Loop, which is not really a loop, but it's uh, you turn on Cal Street and you basically run to the edge of town, and then it drops off back down to the river, and it's a great section. There's a lot of really runnable um uh sections through there it's mostly down all downhill um and after the cal 2 aid station which is i think peach stone is the other name for it down to the river is you can just fly down that if you've got the the legs for it it's real ri- it's switchbacks <laughs> down it's nicely grade, nice grade. um I know during the training run, I was, you know, running seven and eight minute miles down that section. I mean, but that was, you know, I was on, that was only six miles into the, to the training run. It's not quite as easy to do that at, uh, at mile 78.
2: 70, you know,
1: <laughs> so, and then once you get down to the river, um, you know, it's, it's basic kind of undulates, uh, uh you know along the river and down at the riverbank, till to get over to uh rocky chucky for the river crossing
0: yeah so of course coming into rocky chucky obviously that's probably other than Robinson flat that's probably in duck and ridge that's probably one of the most famous yeah. parts of this course like oh yeah photographers are everywhere
1: how are you feeling coming into this yeah i i mean i was excited to get there you know i mean i knew you know time wise things were going well um it was fun to see the my crew um you know they were pretty <laughs> tired at this point my i had michelle her good friend candy who's crewed us on all our races and then my uh, two of my two of my three children were there um my 33 year old daughter and 30 year old son they had never been to an ultra race ever not even wow wow and they were just totally getting into it, really enjoying it. Super
2: helpful. We, you know, we needed them. So, you know, yeah, it, they, they loved
1: it. They were really just blown away by the whole experience of it. You know, and that is, you know, so, so critical is having, you know, seeing your crew, you know, in the middle of the night, I mean, they're obviously tired and grumpy and, we, you know, not, not grumpy. grumpy, not grumpy, but they're tired. And It's you know,
2: coming out, Joseph. You know, they're not grumpy,
1: but what I'm saying, they always meet you with a positive face and, and cowbells. and cowbells and, and excited to see you and pumping you up and having my kids there was really pretty special. And for them to see it, they never really kind of had wrapped their head around what this crazy stuff, dad and, 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 and their stepmom do. And (laughs) and uh you know, so for them to see it was really good. And then for up the only kind of hitch in my whole race was we went down to go across the river and you know the river's pretty deep you know and and, you know you're stepping in these rocks and you know and it goes from shin deep over one rock and then it's up over your belly button and then you got to climb over another boulder and you know it's a big river and it's rushing past you and we were about a third of the way across and a woman further across on the rope she kind of panicked and froze and wouldn't move but you're in a conga line there and you just you're stuck you know we were there for probably five or six minutes till she got herself sorted out and we got on across the river and the pacer
2: said probably about 15 minute delay you know
1: total getting across the river and then me changing my shoes on the other side but uh, but besides that it was
2: uh and you also got your new pacer
1: and i got my new pacer there and uh tim did a great job and you know the three pacers i had were f- from you know friends of tom's you know i never really met them you know i mean i had run one of the training runs with one of them and but to have guys come out three o'clock in the three o'clock in the morning, in the morning the and, or- and be there for someone they really didn't know um it's really pretty special you know and they did a great job you know getting me to the finish line <laughs>
0: that's the one thing that's so with crew like i or i guess pacing too yeah because i came out to um iron horse to a dude that i we chatted a little bit on uh facebook i was like yeah bro i'll hit you up yeah uh, yeah like same thing (laughs) didn't know this guy didn't know the story didn't know anything i figured hey look he's i'm gonna take him through 26 miles of his 105 miles he's got to go all right or of his 125 mile or 105 miler i'm like hey. I'll, I'll learn to know him then, because yes. right? just tell him. Sure. <laughs> I'll sure. just talk to him for, like, hours on the yeah. end. Yeah,
1: yeah. He's going to need it at that point. When
2: you do kind of the, bond. I mean, we still, we were just texting with all of Lindsay's Pacers yeah, just a we, little bit ago. Now no, we feel like we're family. Yeah, I feel
1: <laughs> like I need to go pace them somewhere. You know, I'm like, where's your next race? I'll come out for you. That's a fun <laughs> thing
0: with pacing, too. So, yeah. I guess for the full crew and full, full pacing, Let's give a shout out to everyone else that
1: was also involved. Yeah. Yeah. Now that we're here at Rocky Chucky. Right? Yeah, there was, um, so my oldest daughter, Alex was there. Uh, My son, Sam, he's 30. Um, Obviously Michelle and Michelle's friend Candy was there. And then (laughs) uh, Gary uh, Klein um, and Tim Angelo and uh, Michael Michael Klingman. And they're all from the Folsom, uh, Auburn area. And they they were my three pacers, and they just did an incredible, awesome job. And it's the first time I've ever run a hundred with a pace. It, it was the first time I've ever had a pacer in any any race. And I've always been a little stoic and all. Oh, I can do it on my own, but it made a difference, especially here.
0: Wow. How wait? How did that feel having a pacer for once?
1: It was awesome. <laughs>
0: and-,
2: and he was like, he's always been. No pacer. We've never had pacers, and, uh, and and Tom, we were all like, no, <laughs> no, no, and now he's he's like loves it. I'm, I'm all
1: in on the pacer concept. <laughs> I'm, I'm sold. Um. But it it was good, you know, and it was just, they were wonderful guys. And you, you know, seemed like
2: you had fun. Too. I had
1: fun with them. That was yeah. the main part about it. And like I said, they never really had to crack the whip. And I'm thick skinned. I told them going into it, if you need to like yell at me, cuss at me, beat <laughs> whatever. me, whatever it takes, get oh, <laughs> you know, get me get me to Auburn.
0: And that's the big thing with, you know, you've crossed Rucky Chucky either. I think it's two extremes for people either. <laughs> they're hating it they're just trying to survive or crossing rocky chucky at that point change the shoes change the clothes or whatever it whatever it may be that you need because you have you, you still have that climb to uh
2: Green Gate.
1: Green Gate. Yeah, (laughs) Green Gate. Yeah, yeah. It's about two and a half miles. It's not that bad. It's it uh, looks it it looks looks worse because
2: we can see the headlights going up, and we're like, oh wow, that's a big climb. (laughs) Um,
1: But I, like I said, I just changed shoes real quick, and Tim and I got out of there, and you know started chatting with him and getting to know him i I, really
2: made up a lot of time
1: and (laughs) i felt good i was i felt good where the i was time wise and i knew once i got to green gate the auburn lakes trail section through there is basically flat you know very little up and down and you know for about 12 13 miles you're just contouring around the edge of this canyon all pretty much at the same level it's very runnable or you know you can easily hike it at 15 minute pace and i knew once i got there that i could make up good time across there um and and we did you know Mm -hmm. tim really did a good job keeping me moving and and he helped me make sure i ate too and um and then you descend down to Quarry Road at mile ninety, and and I was feeling really good at that point. Yeah, and you I, got I, your I, picture I, with Hal Yeah, I got a picture <laughs> with Hal Kern. It was one of the few pictures I took out on the course. Yeah.
0: I think the Auburn trails is. It has the word Auburn in it. So you're like, all right, like, let's let's go like Auburn.
1: I'm smelling smelling the barn at that point. I, (laughs) I, I knew, you know, and then you get to Point of Rocks and you're at mile 94 and I had uh two and a half hours to go six, six miles. miles and you know i I knew it was you know short of me breaking a leg uh, i wasn't gonna have any trouble and that's about the only time I, I did the only physical issue i had was right at the very end of the race i started to have <coughs> pretty bad pain in the arch of my right foot and almost like a uh plantar fasciitis uh whatever you say it. and yeah. um and that kind of hobbled me a little bit. It was hard for me to really run much after that point. But um, I, I did manage to to run pretty good when I hit the track. So. <laughs> <laughs> he broke
2: into like a 5K pace. He dropped all of us. We're like, what are you doing?
1: <laughs> hey, it's a new wave
0: of energy.
2: Because I mean, uh, yeah, it, sure. from
0: point it of really... rocks, it's like, it, it's downhill. Like, you only have like, what, like six, seven-ish miles ago?
1: Yeah, from Point of Rocks, it's about six miles, and it's downhill to No Hands Ridge, which is (coughs) 2.8, 2.5 miles. And then you got a that climb
2: though into Roby Point. You've got a People per, per, are really pretty, um,
1: pretty, you know, decent climb up to Roby Point. it got really hot then, and I didn't have my ice band in at that point because um, it had been in the morning. And you get to Roby Point, and you know your family's there, and your you know the rest of my pacers and some folks that I knew. And
2: they had this really fun, like this guy was there because it was like the Strava tent or whatever. Yeah, and he
1: had a he had a bullhorn. And holler, like
2: <laughs> Lindsay, yeah, please, Lindsay, Lindsay, come, Lindsay no, really no, is no. coming to the finish, and everybody's like, "Ah!" You know, I could
1: hear him. You know, you know, half mile down the trail. <laughs> I guess they had told the guy with the bullhorn who's coming up the hill. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, oh, that's awesome. So yeah, they
2: made it really fun. You know, yeah. they were announcing because they would ask the family who's coming, and he it sounded like an ambulance. Yeah, they'd and, go woo woo woo, woo. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Lindsay coming up the hill. <laughs> well, the ambulance is. Definitely
1: uh, A little yeah, Either and, motivational and,
0: uh, Or accurate <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah And uh, You know You get there And family's there And you're on pavement and But it's still A steep Quarter mile yes. climb. I mean, it's like doesn't let up at all. You're like, oh my goodness! Really, but, until
2: you get to that little bridge. Yeah,
1: then you, you about the last um, half mile in. It's it's pretty decent, and you get to the track, and it's you know people are cheering, and there's all these you know families out mm-hmm. in the yards, and neighbor the neighborhood folks are out and. You know it's just it's an amazing feeling and you know i'm busted into the track and just literally i don't know what happened to my foot it just i guess the adrenaline (laughs) the adrenaline just overwhelmed me and you know i took off in a pretty darn good sprint you know around the track to to the finish line
2: i have to say that last mile Um, Joseph, I know you probably have watched how many YouTube videos of, you know, the Roby point to the finish, and I mean, I always tear up when I see them just because I've wanted to run Western States for so long, and and I know Lindsay feels this way, it's just, I mean, it's just as magical as it feels in the videos you see, right? It's like, you can't believe you're there, you can't believe your runner's finishing, Um, and people are out, the neighbors are out, they've got bullhorns, horns are spraying you with water hoses, and it's just... Like, it's such an amazing one mile. (laughs) I can't even, you know, it just, it almost makes me tear up talking about it. It was really fun. And everything that I felt in watching other people's last mile, you know, we felt ourselves. And that was super cool.
0: Yeah. You know, I think the last mile, so we see people entering the track. That's pretty common on a (laughs) lot of footage. Right. What's kind of that mile coming into the fan you know what's going on mentally what are you seeing out there what's the terrain like like no, it's you're, kind of that play-by-play play for yeah, that mile you're, you're, before you enter the yeah,
1: track. From, like, from, from you get to Roby the... yeah. I mean, there was a guy at Roby Point that Michelle told him he had a Florida Gator hat on, and even though I didn't go to Florida, I'm a huge Gator fan. But and,
2: I'm a null, But I even.
1: And he, you know, he's given me the big chomp Gator and, chop, and you're basically in a neighborhood at this point, and. Um, there's just people are in their yard chairs out, kids are, you know, mm-hmm. running their riding their bikes up and down the street and Is it are, a neighborhood? It's yeah. a it's total yeah. neighborhood, yeah. Wow, okay. <laughs> all the all the way to from point right right. to the track is basically you're running in a neighborhood and the streets are just lined with People watching you and cheering you on, water hoses, and and we know you know offering you beers and (laughs) shots of liquor. You know, I mean, anything you want, and and you know, it's just you're. Just get really pumped, and
2: and it's just like groups of people. Like at that point, you know, all of his Pacers and the families, and
1: yeah, um, everybody was there, and it was just you know a, a magical, magical experience. And as you hear AJW and all these folks talk about the golden hour, and you know, I didn't intend to finish in the golden hour, <laughs> but I tell you, all the glory is in the golden hour. I mean, it, it is so my you god know, the, it was the, like... the stands are packed i mean you know nobody's there at five o'clock <laughs> in the morning so you know I'm, i i finished in the golden hour was just um it was really special and then to sit there at the finish line and see your fellow racers you know some really struggling to you know get around the track and you know the heartbreaking stories of folks you know not making it from you know they're between roby point and the track and that would be absolute i don't know if i could recover from that that would be (laughs) absolutely devastating and so that last hour is really it it, it's you know they all they all talk about it but it really until you're there experiencing it it's something it's just hard to 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 grasp i mean it's just phenomenal i mean i was i'm not a a crier by nature and i (laughs) can tear it up you know so it's it's almost tearing up right now
0: (laughs) i was gonna say like look i know this is a highly emotional thing you're going from mostly trail kind of hitting probably some little bit of pavement the track obviously you know you know it with the mileage. You know it with your pacers, your crew. Now you know it, hundred percent. You see the stadium. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. You feel the track. You see the track. Yeah. Like what's going through your mind and
1: how how does each step feel it just i felt like i was i mean i don't know i might have only been running at 11 minute pace but I felt he, wasn't.
2: Like, <laughs> he dropped us <laughs> oh I, I felt
1: like i was running a you know a 5k and it just was ecstatic i mean I, I i hardly i mean i remember it but it was just i mean the crowds are cheering um I've my coach Tom Flawhaven, since he's the age he runs the finish line, he was, you know, got to meet me at the finish line and put my medal on me. Um, which wow. was real which was really incredibly yeah. cool um and very, very special. Um and it's just it's just a remarkable feeling i mean and I, you know any race that you finish i don't care if you're running the local 5k it's wonderful to get to the finish line you feel great people are cheering but this was just at a different level i mean it just it was really really cool
0: yeah and i guess for michelle yeah like holy shit. <laughs> like he yeah. just did it. Yeah. Yo, what's going through your mind? Like the whole range of emotions.
2: I was just, I mean, it was just, I was ecstatic. I mean, it, what's so cool about it, Joseph, is, you know, I want to run this race so much, but it, it was just as exciting to experience it with him and knowing he's going to finish as it was running it myself. <laughs> It was, I mean, I honestly felt that. When he popped out of Roby Point, I was like, he's just, he's going to freaking finish Western States. How awesome is that? You know, I mean, we've been talking about it. How many, qual it's a rabbit hole, right? You're doing qualifiers. And then it actually comes to happen. And I just had pure joy. It was just pure joy and he just ran such a smart, steady race. He was so strong. He was in good spirits the whole time. And, yeah, it was just, it was emotional. Like, I literally had tears. I am a crier. So <laughs> I'm about to cry right now. So, I basically had tears from Roby Point to... Um, You know, the finish line, um, it was just, it was amazing. And to be a part of helping him get to the finish is really what's fun about these 100 mile races. And I think the Pacers and, you know, Sam and Alex and Candy, I mean... We all felt like shouldn't we get a baby buckle? <laughs> this, is not, this is hard. <laughs> we're like, we we're, we're we're now lobbying for baby buckles for crews and pacers. But anyway, it just you know it, it was just a really fun bonding experience for the crew as well. And um, yeah, I, I don't even know if I have enough words to explain how exciting it was. And just to see him through throughout the day, also in the different phases of the course, and you know he didn't have any really major hiccups, but he just stayed super focused and positive, and um, and to see him get the buckle is just like you don't think it's ever going to happen, right? And it does, and he's a Western States finisher. It's like awesome.
1: And it was cool that all three of the Florida guys finished. Yeah, you know, I mean that that.
0: Hundred percent.
1: Yeah, it was really neat, and I, 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 I'd like to try to hook up with uh, Jason. I just uh, he actually works here in Lakeland, but I don't. He's not on. And then
2: Jeff saw you finish. Jeff yeah. texted me. Yeah, like Jeff, he's Jeff, like, where is a... Lindsay? I'm like, oh, I forgot to tell you, he's coming in. and yeah. He's like on the track or whatever, and then he saw Lindsay, and he said he almost like. Twisted his ankle and his flip flop <laughs> trying to <laughs> run after him like oh my god you're doing like the grand slam you can't do that <laughs> so he was like running around the track cheering and and we got to see like Jeff pretty soon after and, and, Louise, and Louise and that was really fun yeah. too and um, like you said shout out to our coach Tom Flawhaven who's just the ultimate cheerleader (laughs) so and that was fun we got to you know i got to hug tom and his wife donnie and it was just we were all crying basically
0: (laughs) yeah so real quick before i hit like you know those final closing questions i had a few questions on the instagram yeah and one of those was Lindsay, how long did you wait to get into Western States 100?
1: I Well, I'm not very long, really. I, I was <laughs> extremely blessed because of the circumstances. I, this was my second year that I had my name in the lottery. So, you know, by, chance with uh you know being hooking and i didn't even know when we started training with tom i didn't didn't even know he was a you know aid station captain at states you know and that i would have an opportunity at uh, you know three years down the road that to be in his little mini mini lottery through the the aid stations each aid station is 28 stations and each one gets an entry into the uh into the race depending on how the aid station captain wants to to uh divvy them out and so i I, unlike you know heck there were some folks that were there with 128 tickets in the lottery i mean or 64 and you know I, i i i pinch myself every day you know, because you know, at my age, you know, the odds are not so much that I couldn't do it, but you know, it's different if you started this process when you're 35. You got a lot of years to be in the lottery. You know, at, my, at my age, I was like, you know, gosh, this is not gonna. So
2: Joseph, he feels like it was divine intervention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you do the math.
0: Maybe at 26, I should start now.
2: Yeah, yeah right. for sure, yeah. For sure. I,
1: I would not wait. It's worth every minute of it. The second question is
0: right to you uh michelle is the fact that hey i'm not a runner i don't do this thing but my significant other does the running thing what is probably the most beneficial thing and thing that probably (laughs) the thing that you've learned as a significant other or married to that person for an ultra marathoner How do you support that person, especially when it comes to these kind of big races?
2: Well, actually I do, I am an, I do run ultras and I've finished several hundreds myself. So I I can speak to it from that perspective, because I think you asked the question as if I'm not a runner, but, but I am. So I would say, you know, the fact that I am an ultra runner and I finished, you know, several hundred mile races, I think it's, it's pretty, it's part of our lifestyle. So it doesn't really seem any different. Like we're taking time away from each other because we both do it and we both do long runs together and adventuring together. And I want to get into Western state. So, I mean, I feel like I was just 100% like whatever time you need to take, go to California for three weeks. Um, Because, because I run hundreds, I know what it takes to do them well. Um, So I feel, you know, from a spouse standpoint, it's it's an easy it's easy for me to be supportive of him, if that makes sense. And then I think also from a crewing standpoint, you know, it's an interesting perspective, too, because, one, we've run together in races and and then I've run hundreds. So it does give me kind of a unique opportunity to troubleshoot when he is having problems um, or like if I see something It's like oh I know this works Or he needs trail toes or he looks like He's chafing or you know that kind of Stuff because I've experienced it myself Does that, does that Answer it?
0: Yeah because you Know I think too is the fact that Like look, my significant other is being an absolute dick to me. But that's, (laughs) you know, but that's not really him. He's in the mileage. He's in the moment. Yeah. You know, I think that's one of the hardest thing for spouse, spouses, you know, to really overcome. It's like, It's not personal. It's just the race and the training. It's a personal time. It's that kind of thing.
2: Yeah. So in the race, you know, so that's another part of the dynamics in the race as far as, you know, taking things personally. I think it helps, too, because I am, uh, you know, have run them myself because, you know, we there were moments in this and bighorn when he was just emphatic. Like I am not taking that. No, don't force that. You know, i said, no, you're taking this, this works. <laughs> you need to eat. You know, just basically like stay hard. You're doing it. I don't want to hear it. Get out of the aid station. So, um, I think it does help that I run hundreds, and I don't. I don't take that stuff personally at all. In fact, I think it's kind of funny, <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of laugh at it later and tell them like, you know, you were kind of like a little bit grumpy, and here's what you said, and it's kind of funny to laugh at <laughs> <about it> later.
0: <laughs> like, hey, you were mean. That's like, yeah, In were... any normal couple, that's extremely yeah.
1: <laughs> disrespectful. <laughs>
2: Actually, you probably would say that I'm mean because I'm like, no, you're doing this. I don't want to hear another word. <laughs> <laughs>
1: She's much meaner
0: than I. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> that's what you need to get to the finish line. So. I know, yeah, hopefully
2: I, right. like, I, I answered your question.
0: <laughs> yeah, so here we go, coming into the finish line, Lindsay. Like, look, you're like twenty meters, ten meters. You see the finish line. You know that belt buckle is about <laughs> to be in your hands. How did that moment feel?
1: It, it just magical. I mean just it was just you know I mean all the hard work and and training and and travel and living in California for 3 weeks and then coming back to Florida and then going back to California and I, it was it was almost like I c- couldn't believe that I pulled it off you know I mean and you know I, I always believed in myself that I could do it but Western States is a little different from most of the hundreds that I've done that, um, you know, I'm a little more of a kind of a, you know, harder climbing, you know, a lot of walking, <laughs> hiking, you know, longer time frames like Bighorn Mountains. has a Bighorn has a 34 hour cutoff, you know, Cruel Jewel's a 48 hour cutoff, even though it's an incredibly hard race. But I was a little <laughs> apprehensive about being in states because it's a faster race. You know, you gotta get through it in, you know, under 30 hours. And <clears throat> and it the fact that I pulled it off, I mean I, I just it was magical. I, I just can't hardly describe, pinch myself <laughs> every day thinking that man i finished western states and yeah. heck i'm 62 years old you know and i did it and you know i mean i i didn't know it at the time had even no idea but i was third in my age group out of 18 people and um, wow, and almost got the oldest competitor or oldest <laughs> finisher award the oldest guy was 63 that finished so i'm only was only one year away from that um so it pretty all in all you know it couldn't have been a better experience i mean it just, just i think on.
2: every morning since we've been home when we get our coffee I, we're, i'm like you finish western states and we do like the fist pop. <laughs> 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 it's just so it's still so cool
0: i was gonna say because like obviously now we're you know we're a couple weeks away what's kind of that that final and we'll close it up with this you know kind of from a athlete's perspective perspective and from a crew perspective as well as a spouse (laughs) perspective because obviously those things really matter in the grand scheme of either from the logistics of the race from training for the race to being out there and actually doing the race like the spouse the crew and the athlete there's so many intangible parts that they just have to line up Mm -hmm. kind of what are those final thoughts those final opinions for this entire the journey to western states 100 and now completing the western states
1: yeah there there are a lot of moving parts in these things Mm -hmm. and first off right (laughs) off the bat i was blessed and i think this has a lot to do with um you know Tom um, and how he trained me as an older athlete, I didn't get injured any time there leading up to, to states. And that was something I was really, always, really concerned about. Um, to, you know, I didn't get COVID going into it, which was always a big, could be a game changer <laughs> at any second. Um, and I just had this absolutely incredible support from Michelle and the rest of my family and and to be able to put up with all this. And, you know, unfortunately, Michelle hadn't said this. She's been injured for the last year and has not been able to, you know, even going back before Bighorn last year. She had major foot surgery and and has recovered, took six months to get over that and then pulled a hamper tore a hamstring that she's dealing with right wow. now so i've been having all the fun <laughs> and she's been really kind of spinning her wheels unfortunately w- waiting to get well and it, it it really i can't tell you how lucky i am to have someone that's been so supportive for me meeting my goals when she's really not been able to even come close to meeting hers and um that's what's made this journey even, yeah, <laughs> yeah, even more <laughs> special. And, you know, my goal now is to get her, hopefully get her well and and back on out there running so maybe I can crew her for some hundreds <laughs> oh, and God. some or other races. Oh, so, and, and you know, that. there are so many other things, you know, I mean, heck you, your crew can have a flat tire or they miss the shuttle bus. I mean, you know, there could be huge thunderstorms. I mean, the weather was perfect for the race even though it was it was hot and there was no snow this year so that really is a game changer in the high country because uh, <laughs> my one of my pacers ran in one of the heavy <laughs> snow years and it's just miserable i mean he was every step you took it was shin to knee deep in snow and slipping and falling and you know i didn't have to deal with any of that so
2: so <laughs> thank you for that it's But some insights that I would provide kind of closing for crewing, Um, you know, this is such a big race. I mean, hundreds, like Lindsay said, have so many moving parts. I mean, you really do need a coordinated effort up front. And I would tell people if you're crewing, you know, have a stealth crew. I I saw a lot of people had a lot of people crewing. You know, I would say two to three people max, Um, make sure you have someone in charge and, that you talk to your runner ahead of time and know strategically each section know what he or she is going into next right and have a list of you know here are the things that we need to ask questions you know here are the things we need to make sure he or she leaves with be it ice bandana headlamp and you know, you make sure someone's in charge of those so that they never leave without what they need to prepare them for the next section. I felt like we had that really dialed. And I would say we're pretty minimalistic as far as what we take. And that's probably just crewing a lot. We've gotten pretty good at it Um, and don't overthink it. I mean, we go in, a lot of people go in with like really elaborate spreadsheets. And one tip I would have is whatever aid stations I think we could be at six aid stations and we sat down with Lindsay ahead of time and said you know how many hours the range do you think it's going to take you to get to Robinson flat you know seven to eight hours how long do you think Robinson flat to Michigan Bluff and he gave us a range and so we would just record the time Robinson flat he's left at one fifteen, so we should see him at Michigan Bluff at this time and honestly it's worked every single race so you know, don't over overthink it, but make sure you do enough preparation. The other thing is I would tell if they have a, a crew meeting at the race, go to it because getting to these these aid stations a lot of people read the maps and they're like oh it's only 10 miles like you know that's going to take me 10 minutes and these are in the mountains and sometimes you have to take shuttle to them sometimes you have to hike a mile into them so you really need to prepare yourself and figure out how long it takes like robinson flat we were in traffic for one hour before we could even park to get the shuttle to walk into the aid station and we knew all of that because we went to the crew meeting does that make sense so You know, it takes a lot of pre-planning from a crew standpoint if you really want it to be dialed in. And to your point, Joseph, I think you made it earlier, you know, a lot of things have to fall into place, right, to make sure your runner continues to move forward. And I think doing a lot of pre-work with some of the tips and insights that we've learned um, can make it smooth on the crew side of it, if that all makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's definitely a good point. So, hey, Lindsay, I guess you know, we'll close it out with uh yourself with I guess the final question being, what was the good the bad and the ugly for this year's Western States 100?
1: Well, obviously the good was just the overall experience of being there from Wednesday to uh, (laughs) Sunday finishing. I mean, it just, it's the whole thing is, I keep saying the word magical because it is. Um, the, The good, the bad, you know, For me, my lowest spot was probably after Robinson Flat running down that road in the hot heat of the day um, and just thinking, man, I've still got, you know, 65 miles to go and my legs hurt a little bit. But, you know, that that pain went away, you know, and just, you know, never give up. That's one other thing. I mean, no matter how bad you feel, it's amazing how quickly you can turn around. Um, And I never really had any ugly spots. I really didn't. I had a few bad spots. wish I could have eaten a little few more calories, but there was no ugly. It was darn near perfect, you know, just the whole experience. Uh, Heck yeah. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) and I, I just would say to any runner out there, you know, get the qualifier in, put your name in the lottery, you know, Jeff, or not Jeff, Louise, myself, and and Jason, all prove Florida runners can do it and finish it. <laughs> Woo! And you know, it's a blast. I mean, everybody should be working to get their names into Western yeah. States.
2: It's a goal worth the time, time and to the effort. Sure.
1: And do the training camp and which was as much fun as running almost as much fun as running the race the training camp's a blast so that was it my good bad and ugly no (laughs) ugly
0: (laughs) that's freaking awesome
1: no it was it was a ton of fun
2: and if you're a fan of the sport just spectating is so much fun because the elites are super friendly and you know it's it's kind of fun Um, I saw a lot of the leading ladies, Ruth Croft, come through Forest Hill when we were waiting to go back to Michigan Bluff. And so also I'd say if you're a fan of the sport, um, it's just a great place to spectate. It's so much
1: fun. I think we will make going to Western States uh, an annual event, even even if 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 we're not running
2: or crewing or pacing.
1: Yeah, we'll either be volunteering or crewing or pacing or spectating.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's always going to be a Florida few out at this big race. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And if anybody is in Florida and you have questions or you get in, I mean we would be happy talk to people, help people. Um, yeah, we're we're yeah. both on social media. Or you can give them our information if if you know there's other runners that want help or information questions. Yeah, that's well, yeah.
1: Have a good one, and thank you for. Thank you
2: so much. It was I, fun chatting with you.
1: And I, I can't wait to hear AJW's and Louisa's uh, podcast too. And um, that that's really cool that you're able to hook up with AJW and and have him on your podcast. That was pretty neat. Heck yeah, yeah! I'm excited yeah cool all right man well we'll see you and uh look forward to seeing you in person soon heck yeah i appreciate it, it was awesome yeah, yeah and for we'll, sure. we'll, we'll we'll be in touch <laughs> perfect all right then see ya all right good luck with uh, uh skunk egg oh
0: man it's gonna be a blast all right see bye. ya bye yep thank you and there we have it for Lindsay Rally and his Western states 100. Whoa, that is freaking awesome. You know, just the journey to even get out there, all the training, the travel, all the time, having your crew, your family, family watch you go through this entire experience. It's truly just out of this world. You know, like I'm super excited, you know. I mean, it's, it's the Western States 100. And we've got one more to go. So previously, I had Lewis and Andy Jones Wilkins on. And they really talked about the pre-race. You know, gearing up, things to look out for, things to think about. So it's going to be awesome hearing them hash it out about how that race went down. So hey, until then, until next time, happy trails.